and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Glowing Weak Point, the show where we talk about weeb shit this week. Weeb especially. shit. Lots of weeb I'm shit I'm your today. host, John. With me, as always, my co-host, Wombat. That's me. Wombat, did I talk about my scrotum last week? Um, I would have remembered if you did. I always love a little All bit right. of scrotum talk. Alright, cool. Well, I got a scrotum, uh, for Christmas. Yeah? Did you not have one yeah. before? <laughs> I I did. Um, <laughs> this 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 one is for keeping a different sort of family jewels in. Um, it's a it's a hundred uh, percent legitimate uh, kangaroo scrotum. Oh great! Yeah, um, my Australian friend who might listen to this should enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably aware of it. Yeah, they. Uh, so, it's, it's so a, what does it do? Is it like a purse? Is it, is yeah, it like it's, a it's, bag it's a, of some kind? It's a kind? pouch. Little, little pouch. Little uh, kangaroo I, pouch. I keep a uh, little, little set of dice in there. So, How does it look? Yeah. <laughs> like a scrotum? <laughs> like a scrotum? Well, I was wondering if they did anything to make it look a little less scrotum-esque. No, it's, it's definitely very scrotish. But um, like, like you could hang it off the back of your truck and just have truck nuts. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you could. <laughs> um, my wife wanted to correct me. It is a sack, not a pouch. Um, <laughs> right. Kangaroos have pouches. Yeah. They can't have another pouch. What? What mad world would we be living in? I mean, I, I guess they do keep their kids in this one too. Um, just a little different stages a little earlier a little earlier in the cycle there oh I got um, a picture of it uh, those aren't too scrotish I don't think mm. if you had told me that that was a kangaroo scrotum I would know that that was a kangaroo scrotum it, it, it wrinkles pretty well oh does it yeah. Because it looks pretty yeah, smooth it here. It, it honestly looks like a clay vase right here. Yeah. Uh, it, it wrinkles pretty well. Okay. <laughs> it's it's definitely... It's it's one of those things you're like, maybe maybe this is just, you know, a piece of leather that they've... No. No, it's, it's definitely actually a scrotum. Uh, how do you like your, your new scrotum? Uh, I think it's great. How does it compare to the old one? <laughs> it's a, li- a little larger. I, I have to say it's, it's, uh, it's not as warm. Uh, yeah. No? I, I wouldn't imagine um. it would be. Anyway, this is a family show. It, it is. <laughs> not. It is not. It is it's, not. It's absolutely not. I label every single one of these explicit for a reason. Yep. Well, Matt, what's your glowing weak point? Uh, my glowing weak point is that I got around to watching that fucking Wednesday Adams show, and oh. it's good. I was expecting so it to be fucking, like, shit, but it's <laughs> it's actually good. Uh, well, it is on Netflix, so that was a fair assumption. I mean, there's a lot of Netflix shit that is terrible. That's what I was saying. Oh, I see. Yeah, and, and like, having Tim Burton's name attached to it was kind of wary for me, because I haven't liked fucking 
anything he's done for a decade at least. Yeah, he 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 did a bunch of really good things, and then he just I guess stopped got being too good full of himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just like it's a lot of artists like story. You know, they have a lot of ideas, and then they get all of those ideas out, and then they just don't have more ideas. Yeah. And usually... Or the, the ideas that they do have are bad. Right. And usually at that people point... People aren't willing would, to tell them no. You would just stop hearing about them, right? But Tim Burton mm-hmm. got so big when he was big that he can't go away. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, he's like the Steven Spielberg of weird shit. So we're just going to be hearing about him until the day he dies. Yep. But I'm glad that Wednesday got made because it's it's a good show. I enjoyed it a lot. There's there's werewolves and gorgons and fucking magic shit, and I was expecting it to be just all too much, but it's it's just enough. Mm. Yeah. She plays the cello. She does play the cello. She plays paint it black on the cello. It's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I will. I, I will mention a, a similar thing, uh, which is I watched um, Glass Onion finally. Ooh, I liked and that movie. It is an incredibly good movie. I will say, very, very sitting good. on it, I don't think it's as good as the first one. The I mean, that's hard to do because the first one was just stellar. Yeah. Like this one this one is a good follow up, but I'm not sure it's 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 better. Yeah. It, it, it's not the Empire Strikes Back to to a new home, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it didn't it didn't get any worse. It's just not exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I watched a, a lot of things, in fact, uh, over the last uh, few weeks, uh, because, uh, I had COVID. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, opposite of glowing weak point. I mean, did it give I, you I a find... vacation from work? I was already on vacation. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, so I got an extra two, three days, and then straight back. <laughs> that blows. It does. Um, Why can't see, we I, ever get sick when we're not on vacation? I don't know. I don't know. So I caught up on a, a few anime things, and... Um, oh, well, that's convenient. Yeah, and uh, started watching The Clone Wars... That, that cartoon show? show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we we quickly did the, the Tartakovsky one and then went on to the real one. Um, I don't know what any of that means. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> uh, yeah. So. That happened, unfortunately. Yeah. Didn't Feeling better to. now? Yeah, 
I mean, I still have a, a bit of a cough, and... As one might uh, after COVID. Yeah, and I, I still lack a lot of energy, but... Eh, chugging along. Okay. Well, do you well, want to get into this? Let's get into this. I'm seeing some shows that I guess you've caught up on that are in either in different places or are new to the the list. Why don't we mm-hmm. why don't we talk about one of those? Okay. Hit me with it. Uh t- tell me what Stone Ocean is like. I haven't All right. So I still haven't started we... this because it's been confined to Netflix and I don't like binge-watching shit anymore. Um so it it for the first half of it came out like spring of last year, um, and yes. then it finally finished up uh, this winter and was I I am not one to have read the the manga on this, so I I was going into it um very very fresh i didn't know anything that was going to happen i knew some things about the other ones just because like people talk about jojo's cultural osmosis Uh, people don't talk about stone ocean that often no and and well it's it's one of the later ones as as you get deeper into it people don't talk as much i knew some things like i knew that she was jotaro's daughter and I know that the one that comes after this is in a mirror universe, so like it, it's not actually connected at all. Right. They uh, they stop being connected after this one. Like yeah. the, the one after the next one is also not connected to the next one. Yeah. Uh, well, it is actually. Oh, is it, it? It's the same mirror universe. It's just like 150 years in the future. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I, what I didn't expect was uh, for everyone to die. No? You weren't expecting that? No. I like, mean, it's not like, like JoJo's I, is new to that. I No, not at all. I, like, uh, JoJo's, a lot of people die. It, it happens. You, you gotta expect some amount of cast members to die. Including and, sometimes and had, the JoJo of the season. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I didn't expect both of the JoJo's featured in this to die, <laughs> and and also everybody else, everyone else connected with them, and also literally every being that existed, the entire universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't expect the whole. All right, we're gonna fast forward through the rest of this universe into the beginning of the next one up until the present time. And then do it again. <laughs> See, we have a mutual friend who does read the uh, manga, and we talk about it every now and then, so I did know about all this. Yeah, it, it just did not expect just suddenly, like, oh, and it's the new universe. Let's hit the reset oh. button on this whole bullshit. And it's a new universe again. <laughs> And, and it's not even like, oh, they went through to another new universe, and this universe is the one featured in the next one. No, it's completely different. No, it's just a different universe. Yeah, it's just like, hey, we, we, we skipped universes, and it doesn't matter, because we're just 
gonna go to a completely different one at the end of this. Yeah. But I thought it was very good. I thought the uh, animation was was very, very good and high quality. I mean, with JoJo's, it always yeah. is. Yep. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Okay. Uh, what should I talk about, John? Pick one for me. Oh, how was Akiba Made War? Um, Akiba Made War is a fantastic show from beginning to end. The main character did finally become the main character towards the end. Uh, That's good. Uh, just in time for the character I was calling the main character to die and trigger the final episode of the show wherein the, the head mafia boss gets killed and then we fast forward like 20 years to see that the main character is still a, a maid. But okay. she's confined to a wheelchair now because she got shot like six times. Gotcha. Uh, it was a little rushed. I would have, I would have appreciated a bit more time with the characters and like drawing the plot out a little bit more. Cause it hits the halfway point and it, it, and it introduces like a real rivalry with the, uh, with an, another like mafia made group and, and like things are getting heated and they're get, going to the streets and fighting. And then they, it, they take a minor side character and suddenly start treating her like she's one of the main characters for an episode. Uh, and, and like the, the main character has a super deep, like sister like relationship with her. She had gotten at most maybe like, a scene an episode up to that point um and, and then this whole episode like hinges on her friendship with the main character and ends in her death so <laughs> it went a little quickly um and, and then after things resolve there it starts to look like 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 the the other mafia group gets folded into the one that our main characters belong to um, yeah. and, and there's tensions there and everything. And, and that lasts like three episodes before the end of the show when everything comes to a head and the mafia groups are taken down once and for all. So mm. it just felt pointless, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. It was, it was a good watch. It's a lot of fun action and comedy, but it just could have been more. It's it's one of those where it it could have been so much more had it just been given a bit more time in the oven. Okay. There's there's quite a few shows in the world I feel like that about. Yeah. Um Well, let's let's get some fluff out of the way cuz yeah. there there was a lot of there was a lot of fluffy things. So one that I, I only I watched was Management of a Novice Alchemist. I can't um, believe you're still talking about this. How is there still stuff to say about this thing? It, it was it was cute. Um, the they didn't quite all fall in love at the end like they should have, but you, you know they did. Um, and uh, everything worked out well in the end. 
for everybody. Great. It nothing of stakes happened. They yep. introduced stakes, and then sometime they they often at least allowed one episode for you to uh, uh, sit on the stakes before they resolved it. So you know, better than many. This is an isekai, right? No. No. Might as well be, but... It's one of those where it's a fantasy, but it may as well be a fucking isekai. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that explains the lack of stakes. Uh, DIY uh, was... Uh, I loved it, honestly. Uh, it was... It was Kristen and I's one of our favorites. Um, I wanted just, to watch more of it. I just didn't have time between all the other the, things I wanted to do. All the girls were cute in it, and they were all cute with each other. And uh, the 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 neighbor girl finally uh, confessed how she felt to the, the a love confession. You a seraphim? No, hey, I want to care for you and be with you through everything you do. Confession. That's a love so confession. Yes, <laughs> so yes, but but also not as not far enough. But Th- yes, that's will you marry me without the words? Yes, correct. <laughs> um, so that was fantastic. Um, uh, more more no stake stuff was Bochi the Rock. Where uh, there's uh, more there, stakes it, there it, than none um, for a rock band show. It's listen, I can't help but compare it to K-On. And if you've ever seen K-On, K-On is a show where cute girls do cute things and guitars are around sometimes. Um, yeah. Bochi the Rock is cute girls do cute things with guitars exclusively. Yes. <laughs> and there's like an actual plot as they try to become like like a, a famous band and shit. Like they're trying. Yeah. They're in the I'm, early I'm stages. Worried. I'm worried because the way the show ended, the show could just be done. And the fact that there isn't a second season announced yet at this like normally they would have seen how good the show was and announced it within two weeks of the end of the show. But it's it's past that. and But it could end up being anything. like a One Punch Man situation where there's like studio uh, bids and shit going on. Like, you know, you, yeah. you know how One Punch Man ended up at a different studio for its second season, right? And it's going to be... Yeah. It's been announced now and it's going to be at a another studio for its third season. Uh, so it, it might be one of those things where they they might ship it off to a different studio for another season. Yeah. It deserves one. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it ending where it did, but I would love more. It would more. be better with more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we would also like more. Yeah. Um... All right. Uh, honestly, Spy X Family was pretty low stakes. Yeah, the second season I, is... Second I, core. I hate to say it, but, like, tedious. It felt like it wasted a lot of my time. 
Yeah. I, I, I'll agree with that. I mean, every, every time I watched it, I was like, this is, this is fun. This is enjoyable. But then any time I was looking for something to watch, it was like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't need to watch that. Honestly, it, it I didn't, can't even it say didn't that. have a draw. There, there is nothing to draw me into it. Yeah, like, um, I was expecting... Uh, I mean, I voiced it on the show. I was like, I bet there will be, like, a big arc near the end to, like, really, like, hook people back in and get them wanting more for when the show closes out. But it just kind of ended with, like, a whimper. Like... Yeah. Like, we do meet Donovan Desmond for the first time. The conversation isn't as interesting as I think they wanted it to be. Um, yeah, and they introduced Fiona Frost, who is the single most tedious character type in any <laughs> any anime fucking ever, and I hated every moment she was on screen. Um, well, they they needed uh, the foil to uh, Yuri. Yeah, but like Yuri is a different kind of tedious, and and one that is honestly lower stakes than Fiona is, right? Because mm-hmm. Yuri is the the guy with the sister complex and, and it's obvious that he's not an actual love rival with with Lloyd, right? Like yeah. Yor isn't about to be like, "Oh no, I'm going to go marry my brother." Like that's not a thing that's about to happen. No. Whereas with Fiona Frost, they want to introduce a character who could actually tear apart the relationship. It's possible that she could do that. Um, And I hate that shit. (laughs) I really... Because it's also obvious that she's not. But they want the stakes of she could. And I, 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 and also just the the character who never says anything but is secretly entirely fucking obsessed with a singular person, and it's just go away, just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And it's it's even more disappointing because she was introduced in the ending of this season long before she was into the show proper, right? Yeah, and I, uh, uh, you see her for like a little scene in the ending, and I was like, "Oh, Lloyd is going to have like an actual friend. That would be cool." It wasn't cool. He has one. He has fluffy head. I don't count Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fluff, fluffy head. He has a name. It's Fluffy Head. Like, like I, I meant like a, a a friend that he could have like in intellectual discussions with because that's clearly something that he wants and does not have in his current life. Um, Reincarnated as a sword was uh, low-key fantastic. Yes. Uh, it had absolutely no right to be, but it was it was wonderful. Uh, and we get a second season, so... Oh, it's been confirmed? It's, it's, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, uh, I was a little worried at first when they introduced the older woman who stalked the main character for a little bit. But then she turned out to actually be, like, totally cool, so cool that she's recognized by the gods. Is like, yeah, she's not a creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm like, good. That's good. Yeah. A little bit of redemption there. Yeah. Because, yeah, she definitely was creepy. Yeah. Um. But it turns out that she's just, she's just genuinely super worried about and cares for the main character because of secrets. Um, yeah, it, it is confirmed that there will be a second season, just have no idea when. Nice. Which is good, because they, they ended on the cliffhanger of her meeting the necromancer that had been talked mm-hmm. about before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to mention, just as an aside, uh, Uncle from Another World is something that was supposed to have more episodes released starting beginning of December. <laughs> Is and, it still not back? I have not been keeping tabs. And and I, I went on Netflix two days ago, two or three days ago, and it was still stuck on episode seven. Fuck. However, on my 100% legitimate site to watch anime, it's up to episode 12 on release there. So, so I guess Netflix has just given up on updating it. I guess so. <laughs> uh, maybe it's it's like I'm assuming that it's just coming out in um because it was dubbed, wasn't it, or was it not dubbed? I didn't watch it dubbed, so I don't know. Okay, so then then yeah, we I, I wouldn't have watched it dubbed either. So I mean, it is subbed on the perfectly legitimate site that I watch anime. Um, but I guess they're just sitting on their asses. Yeah, I, I don't know what that's about. Should we should we send a, a letter to Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we should not. No? Because, like, maybe they just forgot about it. Alright, tell me about Blue Lock. Uh, Blue Lock should have been over at episode 11. Episode 11, they have, like, the big game against the people who'd been built up as, like, the strongest in their building, right? And and they narrowly win out a victory. The The person who betrayed them helps them win near the end. It's, it's so good. Everything seems like it's wrapping up and it's gonna land on a cliffhanger. It does land on a cliffhanger of, like, the main character walking through the door to the next selection process, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's another fucking episode after that. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, it's episode 11. How many episodes are y'all going for? Is this going to be a... This is not a 26-episode anime. I do not think it is. I don't check on that kind of shit, but it doesn't feel like one that will be. So it's yeah. like, are, are they just going to do another couple of episodes and then end on a cliffhanger? That's a weird thing to do. They should have ended it at episode 11. It was great. Yeah. And it'll still yeah. be great. But, like... Fuck, man. It should have ended then. It would have been a perfect ending. Uh, but they they move on to the second selection process. And they introduce another character who's, like, super strong whatever. I don't know where he came from because the big twist in episode 11 is that they were, they had been told that there were five different buildings in Blue Lock and they were just competing within the one, right? And and whoever survived there would go on to start facing the people in the other buildings. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the the main team beats their w- wins their last game, uh, barely eking it out into like the top two teams. They're they're one of the only two teams who continue on in their entirety. Uh, and then they say like, "Hey, by the way, there were no other buildings. It was just you bum, bum, the entire bum. time." Uh, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh shit." And then they introduce another character who, again, I do not know where they came from because they just did a round robin of all the different teams and shit. So you would assume that he would have been in a team that they played before because it was a round robin, but they didn't play this person before. So I I don't know, but he's he's the brother of like a, a person who's actually on the national team and shit. So, and he's really good himself. The first thing he does is he kicks a soccer ball into the air. And then he kicks another soccer ball into the air and makes the two of them collide. Which was pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, they start the next selection and they have to like pick team. They have to form teams of three and then face each other. And whoever loses, uh, the the winning team gets to pick a team member from them and move on. Um, if you if you become a single person team, then you lose, you're out. And if you put together a team of five people, then you move on. Okay. Yep. So we'll see where that goes. It's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good like Squid Game soccer anime. <laughs> All right, let's just go down the list here. Chainsaw Man, fantastic, was fantastic. Yeah, it, the it fucking was, was a... <laughs> there's an episode where they kill off the majority of the supporting cast. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and that episode happened, and I was like, ah, cool. So anyone can die. Yeah, like, like literally, the only person I don't think will die is Dingy. But that's just because his name is on the the title. But also, I leave uh, open the possibility that he dies and somebody eats his heart and becomes the new Chainsaw Man. Possibly, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think so because it was it was a bond between him and Puchta. So, so right. I'm just saying, there's there's the possibility still that Denji himself could die. But yes, yeah. Anybody else can. Anybody, anybody else can die. <laughs> boss lady that he wants to have sex with, she can die. She's Aki evil as is, fuck, his, dude. Oh, she, she absolutely She's is. so evil. Um, I want her to die. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aki has... His, his Aki friend, is confirmed dead. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, uh, he will die. He will die. Within the next two years, he will be a dead person. Yeah, Probably will, sooner. Much sooner than that. <laughs> uh, power? Absolutely, she's gonna die. I like, don't think like, so, actually. I no, think power makes die. it... No. There, there's no fucking way. She's going to die. I love power so much. She will die. She's a great character. Um, um, Knife Girl makes it. Knife Girl lives the whole way through. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> no, her luck is insane, dude. Really, it is. <laughs> she should have died um, when everybody else did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh. 
Ah. Uh, Fuck, and the fights are always uh, so hype. Every single fight. They are. They it's are. just great. And then, Fantastic and, show. And then the way they ended it by just kicking the bad guy in the balls over and over. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a Chainsaw Man thing to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, justice. That, that right there. <laughs> well, if we're just sitting there, we're just like, justice. <laughs> this. This is justice. That's what justice me. looks like. Yes. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. God, I wanted to catch up on this, but it was this or Spy Family, and I should have gone with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's still going. Yeah. Um, oh, is yeah, it going to be a two-season two anime? Uh, there, there will be another season of it, but... Um, I think it's it's just a late bloomer in this one. It's got, um, or is it gonna have like a weird episode here. count like the next one on our list? No, no, it's. I, I'm pretty sure it's. I was looking at my list of anime to see when the last ones come out. Uh yeah. So like the last episode. Is, is still yet to, to come out. Whereas we're still getting... We're already getting next season's like first episodes. Oh, I haven't even looked. Um, yeah, episode 12 comes out in three days. So Okay. Yeah, I guess it did kind of start a little late. Yeah. And it had that um, prologue. Yeah, the episode zero. Yeah. Fantastic episode. Boy, did it suck. <laughs> yeah. Just a bummer of an episode. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good. I mean, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's the best thing that's come out by any means, but it's it's a good good anime. Yeah. Uh, the next on our list is The Eminence in Shadow, uh, which has fourteen of twenty episodes. Fucking twenty uh, episodes. Year. It's what a weird number, right? Anime like, exists in in seasons consisting of eleven to thirteen episodes. Yes, that's what they eleven sit. to thirteen, or split into two cores as twenty four to twenty five. Yes, twenty six. Twenty four to twenty six. I've never seen a twenty six. There are a few twenty sixers out there. There are, but twenty. What the it's fuck is that? Bizarre number. What yeah, the fuck is that? Bizarre number. That doesn't uh, fill out two full seasons. It's more than such one a full season. Fucking good show. It is. It's so insanely good. It has no, no right to be this good. No, it is. it's fucking isekai, man. Like yeah. And it's so chuny. It's, 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 it's trash chuny isekai. I hate using but the word, but it's so cringy. Good. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like if anything gets the word cringe applied to it, this thing fucking does. But God, I yeah. still love watching it. <laughs> also, what um, do you, what do you think about my theory that Alpha is the main character and fucking Sid is just a, a distraction from her story. 
I mean, in terms of power, he is he is the main character. He like, is the he, strongest character. He, he outstrips literally everything that yes. exists. Yes. Um. <laughs> yes, I think that she is the primary um, protagonist, uh, cursed person. One. Yeah. Yeah. L- like, like she's the one actually discovering shit and continuing the plot forward and stuff. And then he shows up and has a fight and resolves issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she can handle shit on her own, but... Yes. But, like, like she's she is absolutely not a damsel in distress. No. But he, he just likes to show up and resolve things. Yeah, shit. <laughs> um... So, Mob Psycho... 100 uh-huh. was an anime that I have not talked about at all this season because I had not seen any of season three because I barely remembered season two. Have you not seen I the entire show? Far less, far less than I re- thought I did. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I can say that now because I have watched the entire show. <laughs> I was in tears. The it last two episodes, I was fucking bawling. Yeah. No, they're they're great. This was a fantastic show. And I know the manga continues on. But I this feels like think it the anime. For the anime. Yeah, the the I think this is it. And um, and this is a perfect place to end it. Oh yeah. No, this is this was great. Um it it, it really seems like like Mob as a Mob as a person has um become himself. Yeah, like he's no like, he no there's, longer there's... has to rely on other people to like like figure figure out what he needs to do or wants to do or anything. He's yeah. capable of forming his own thoughts and opinions on things and yeah. standing so, like, up for them. Like, like each time in the past that he's had a big fight, big battle, he's accepted another part of himself and grown as a as a person. Yes. I don't I don't and and each one of those times it was choreographed ahead of time. Like like from the very beginning you can see the end thing that he needs to fix. And I just don't see any more parts of himself that he needs to resolve. I it's like sure he he goes out here and he fights these people and saves the day, but it's it's the the story isn't about him going in and and stopping claw or whatever. It never was him. Yeah, it never was. This story was him coming to terms with his own anger issues or his own etc. And helping it, others to always, do the same. Yeah. And and it's just he he as a person is at a point where he doesn't need that anymore. Yeah. It's resolved. So. And he no longer has to like like rely on Reagan or or his brother or Hanazawa, like they're they're his friends and he cares about them, but he doesn't have to like rely on their existence in the same way that he sometimes did before. Yeah, especially Reagan, like. Reagan was kind of like a crutch mentor figure for him before, and now 
now he's able to kind of stand at his side as equals. Yeah. Uh, so, last one on the list, and this one's going to surprise you. Because I stuck Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer out to the very end. And, and while I will say animation-wise much it's very lacking like it, it it really it really looks like shit yeah it, it really <laughs> does it it like visually and animation wise it 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 needed more from a story standpoint from a character development standpoint this is the best anime that came out this entire year And, and, I would believe and that. It, which is bonkers. Like, we got to the end, and we, we're both sitting there kind of crying. And we're looking at each other like, was that just the best thing that happened? Like, like, like we're, we're both trying to wrap our heads around how this show, at the end of the day, was the best story for the entire season. I mean, it makes sense like, when you like, know that, like, the manga uh, author is, like, one of the most renowned manga authors probably of all time. And yeah, like, he writes masterpiece after masterpiece. Yeah. Um, uh, which makes it suck that the fucking animation looks like dog shit. Yeah, it <laughs> does. It does. But, I mean, like... Every single character, and and, and a, a lot there was a lot of complaints about how slow it was, and uh, and while I will agree this is an incredibly slow anime, it used the speed to actually flesh out characters. Like like not a moment is actually wasted. Every single time it's so slow, it's using that to build the characters. Like, slowly, but, like, you you fully see each character become a different character at the end. Uh, Amamiya Yuhi is, like, becomes, like, three different characters throughout this entire thing. L- literally, the smallest character in this has more character development than any character from any anime you watched this year. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like the least character has more character development, and and like at the end of it, you like genuinely like the character. It's incredible. Like, <coughs> like we did not expect this at all, and like it 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 hit us at the end. It it wasn't until like the actual end of the anime, we finished the entire thing. And we're like. Oh, that was great! <laughs> like, like it took getting to the end to be able to look back and go, "Huh, that wasn't bad. That was in fact good." <laughs> it was very confusing, but also, but also that's also why a just, lot of people did not make it to the end. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I get it completely understand why a lot of people didn't make it to the end. But 
boy was it good boy was it worth the trip i want to read the manga at some point i that's what i would suggest like i wonder if it's on crunchyroll's manga thing Ooh. i will look at real quick i have it pulled up because <laughs> somebody was catching up on spikes family moments before we started well, no, I, I pulled it up just now. Like, oh, okay. No, it doesn't look like it. Damn. Alright, well that was anime. Now we gotta figure out what we're watching next season and actually watch some stuff. Right, I I have no idea what's even coming out next season. I, I do, I've, I've looked ahead. and There's a lot of things that... I'm going to be watching by myself, not with the wife, because I've already watched some of it. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of that that I'm regretting having watched the first of it. <laughs> oh, wait, there's a second right. season of Vinland Saga? Shit, that's yep. hype. That's hype. Yeah, don't Oh, care. God. I watched the first one. Oh, shit, and the second season of Bofuri. Look, we got things to look forward to. Yeah, I'm not watching that either. <laughs> Alright. Game facts! The facts about the space war. Space war. War. Space war is a 2D multiplayer space combat game primarily developed by Steve Russell alongside Martin Grates and Wayne Wittenen for the Deck PDP-1. And made open source. Yep. Okay. There are times when I do not remember us mentioning a console before. And I say, that's the first time that console's been mentioned. But this is 100% the first time I have ever heard of the Deck PDP-1. Correct. What the fuck is is that? (laughs) It is the very first mini computer to ever exist. Oh, God, this is like a fucking 1972 game or some shit. Uh, you're a decade off. 82? Wrong way. 1962? (coughs) Correct. Jesus. In Space War, you play as either the spaceship The Needle or The Wedge, probably named after the shape they are. Yep. Which are engaging in a space dogfight amidst the gravity well of a star. Each ship has limited fuel and ammunition and must avoid being hit by a missile, their opponent, or crashing into the star. Additionally, at any point, you may jump to hyperspace, which removes you from any bad situation you might have gotten yourself into. But you may not like where you re-enter normal space either after such a blind jump. This is faster than light. Yeah. The, this is FTL. Like, well, but made fucking 50 years beforehand. A- a- FTL is a turn-based uh, strategy game, not a real-time uh, piloting game. Okay. This is closer to Asteroids. All right. Steve Russell and the others all were either students or faculty at MIT and were members of the Tech Model Railroad Club. When they learned MIT was getting a PDP-1, they began anticipating what marvelous things they could make on it. And before it was ever installed, 
they had the basic concept of space war down. Before they even knew what the fucking thing was capable of? Uh, I mean, they they had some idea of it. I mean, it was a big deal. It was the first mini-computer. Right. So, like, they but had, they hadn't actually they had, documents. Had, had one in front of them. <laughs> Correct. No. Like, there's a difference between what a, what a computer can do in theory and what it can do in practice. Correct, yeah. And it's not like they could have tried it out on a different PDP-1 right. or a different mini-computer, because one, it was the first mini-computer, and two, <coughs> uh, there were uh, less than a dozen of these at this point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Th- that if, existed. In if, uh, if MIT was just now getting one, yeah, there's like a handful of these things. Yeah. Uh, after bringing around to the other TMRC members to try and find someone to make his idea, they all told him he should just make it himself since he was so passionate about it. Fucking loser. However, like a real engineer, he made excuses as to why he couldn't, like how there were no trig functions built in. So one of the club members drove 30 miles to deck headquarters and got a copy of their newly written trig function code so he would have no more excuses. Yeah, they they called up deck and were like, hey, do y'all have uh, trig functions uh, already, like, coded out? And they're like, yeah, we we got a... we built it yesterday. We we've got a tape of that already. Yeah. We've got a, we've remember, got a cassette for everything's that. Everything's on uh, yes. <laughs> everything is on magnetic tapes at this point. So they drove down there and they picked up a, a copy of these the tapes and they brought it back and, and it's not a cassette. It's it's two like rolls. Oh, of it's tape. rolls of tape. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And they, they brought it up and they slammed it down on the desk in front of him like, you've got no more excuses. Make your damn game. This is such nerd shit. This is... <laughs> Trick functions are important, though. I it, you it, I believe it. With Without trig functions, you can move... Uh, you, you, you can't have degrees. You, I'm just saying... You can saying... go up, down, left, and right, but you, you can't... You can't turn. John, John, here's what I'm saying. Being a student or faculty at MIT is nerd shit. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Being a member of the Tech Model Railroad Club is nerd uh-huh. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting to I make think- a video game, no matter what decade you're in, is nerd shit. Correct. Yes, it is. <laughs> Complaining about not having trig functions is nerd shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Calling up the computer manufacturer to get tape that has trig functions is nerd shit. Yes. <laughs> it is all such nerd shit. <laughs> With combined efforts amongst all the club, about 200 man-hours in total, they finally finished the game in about, a, in about a year, and it was it was shown off at the MIT Science Open House in April 1962, featuring an accurate-to-life starfield background, as well as accurate gravity and inertia. 
nerd shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not only are the stars in the correct position, uh, and, and it is a uh, a shifting star line. Uh, it, you, the, it shifts over time. Um, uh, they, the stars are in the correct position, and they have the correct uh, luminosity and size. Wow. Wow. Yep. Oh, man. After its creation, many of the members of the TMRC got moved to other institutions or got hired by deck, and the game spread with them, even getting rewritten for other systems as those were invented. Space War was the first ever video game to exist, and by extension, the first multiplayer video game, first space shooter, etc., after it was finished. Steve Russell found the controls a little painful to use for long periods of time, Toggles and switches were all the PDP one had. So, he developed the first game pads as well. Not only, not only is this the very first video game to exist, period. Right. Like, like, there was nothing before this. There was no text-based games. There was no... Forget about Pong. Pong is not even a twinkle in somebody's eye yet. No, no, like, like, the guy who made Pong was, is, like, a, a, a toddler at this point, yeah. <laughs> Literally, the first to exist. And, they made a multiplayer game. <laughs> right! Nobody's even played a game before, and they're like, no. what if multiple people played the game? <laughs> and, and they were planning on making it also single player with AI, but they had to stop because literally it used as is 100% of the processing. <laughs> you could not open anything else on this computer no. while you played Space War. <laughs> Deck actually, when when they got moved to over to, to like Deck and stuff and started working with them, uh, they used it as a smoke test when they built new machines. So they would... <laughs> They would finish building a machine, they would load Space War onto it, they would play a couple rounds, and then then they would know that it would work, because it tests 100% of the features that PDP-1 has. Like, like 100% of the ability PDP-1 had was used in Space War. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then, then they're like, oh yeah, it's real hard using these toggles and switches. So let's just invent the gamepad. Like right. The concept of the gamepad. The thing that will be with video games for eternity now. Like. Yeah. N- no matter how much people talk about, like, VR and shit, like, people will be playing games with gamepads until the day humanity goes extinct. Hey, you, you know what every form of VR has? Gamepads. Right. Whether whether they're the Valve version that are like single joystick things, or whether they're just sitting down and you're using an Xbox controller, doesn't matter. Literally every single VR system still uses a uh, a gamepad. But I mean, even if we got to like Sword Art Online, like hooking into the fucking control thing on your head and shit, people will still be playing games with gamepads in that era. Absolutely. 
Like, yeah. it's not going away. And he just nope. casually invented it because he was annoyed with toggles. Yep. <laughs> In 1972, the game was so popular, Rolling Stone sponsored the Intergalactic Space War Olympics, the first ever video game tournament. So you also have it this game to thank. Esports. You have this game to thank for your fucking League of Legends teams and all of the fucking local Smash Brothers tournaments you go to. I mean, talk about knocking it out of the park. You're like, hey, you know what? Let's let's invent the concept of video games and as a player. And uh, esports and game pads and like everything. Right. They everything. invented the concept of video games as a whole. Everything yeah. that is encompassed in the word video game. <laughs> they it's said we got that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the people who worked with him, because I assume he didn't. Yeah. They didn't actually leave him alone in a room to do it all by himself. No, he was, uh, everyone worked on their own thing that they were interested in, and he basically compiled it all together. Right, he was, he was the manager of the team, basically. Yeah, yeah. In 1971, a couple developers teamed up to create Computer Space, a clone of Space War, and the first commercial video game slash arcade game. Those two men were Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney, who, after their success with computer space, founded Atari. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 beginning, the beginning of commercial video games is also Space War. <laughs> it's people stealing Space War. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mentioned it earlier, Asteroid, also based off of Space War. Of course. Like, one of the oldest and best-known games to exist. Uh, Asteroid is just a rip of Space War they made one player. Steve Russell was no slouch at programming in general. Uh, he developed the programming language Lisp, the second oldest programming language still in use, and later mentor Bill Gates and Paul Allen on the use of mainframes. Yeah, so, you know... He, he's he's the reason for video games existing and also Atari existing and also I guess Microsoft, Microsoft. existing and <laughs> and you know programming languages in general <laughs> I guess there's another older one that's still in use yes uh, for um, I mean whatever it is I'll never have heard of it so I mean, Fortran? You haven't heard of Fortran? No. Okay. <laughs> I've never Fortran's heard of Lisp. <laughs> pretty well known. Lisp is too, but yeah. I'm sure. I'm just not in that world, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the TMRC wasn't just a group of model train enthusiasts who dabbled in programming. Although, yes, their train layout was next to none in the world, featuring over 1,200 relays and digital clocks and displays in a world where LEDs and seven-segment displays were just being invented. But uh, they were also the founder of hacker culture itself, and several current hacking programming terms originate there, like FUBAR. Yeah, like, the, the, the actual word hack or hacker... Is thanks to the TMRC. <laughs> wow. 
the the term originated there. Like <laughs> they literally are the first hackers. These these are the nerds at MIT. Like like yeah. MIT is already yeah, like, full of like, a bunch of fucking it, nerds. MIT's MIT's full of nerds. The TMRC are the ones who get uh, wedgies Bullied. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're the nerds other people look at and are like, "God, you're such a nerd." Yeah. Well, they have a fucking collection of thousands of D and D dice at their own house. <laughs> <laughs> I keep my dice in a scrotum. <laughs> well, it's a game that's over 60 years old at this point, and there's only one original PDP-1 still out there running it. The game has almost 17,000 players every day on Steam. Although that's a little misleading, as none of those players are actually playing it. What does that mean? So, so uh, Space War is a function buried in the um uh the steamworks common dis- uh distributable okay and uh it's it's put in there uh as a test for other developers to be like here here's the things that you can do with it and like here's proof that you can use this to make a game and you know it's open source so you can just put it in there but there is a way that you can actually install St- uh, Space War and play it just as a game, which I, I did just to-, to test it out. And you can create a, like, whatever you want. You can create a server and get other people in there and play Space War together. Uh, it's even got five achievements. Um, but uh, to be able to do that, uh, to be able to create a server and have achievements and be able to show other players that you're playing a game, you have to have a Steam ID. Okay. And uh, to uh, every game has a unique Steam ID. So what a lot of pirates do is they uh, build their game, or they, they get their game, their pirated game, and then they switch the Steam ID for Space War, because it's functionally just a free game ID out there that nobody's actually playing and if you see someone ever playing Space War 99% of the time they're actually playing something completely different like maybe they're playing uh, Bioshock or Assassin's Creed or something it's just a pirated copy that they've got switched in there so that they can still access internet stuff with I see yeah. That's a little clever way of using it, though. It is. There's also a way of uh, making it be a Trojan uh, horse to get viruses into your system. No, nope, I don't that's like that. the less side of things. Yeah. <laughs> and that is just the facts. Yes, it was. Okay, All right. Doug, are you ready Time for, for this? Light novels. Are you ready to talk about this fucking book? I'm not ready for you to talk about it. <laughs> John John is salty about my salty recap. Yes, I am. <laughs> the second book in the Sword Art Online series is one of the most worthless books ever printed. 
If you were somehow engaged in the rush to death game of the first book that was actually mostly just a rushed love story, then this book still has nothing for you. It's four short stories, two of which introduce the pointless harem of forlorn onlookers, and the other two of such importance, either to the future of the series or to Kirito as a so-called character, that you wonder why they weren't just added to the first book when Kawahara rewrote it. Let's get into it. The first short story is all about Silica, the girl with the little pet dragon who dies protecting her. Did you know she's 12? I didn't know she was 12 when I watched the anime. Isn't it fucked uh, up that she's, she's 12 and is portrayed as having... 13? No, she's 12. In the actual story nope. from her perspective, she says she's 12. She Here... starts as 12. She is 13 at the point in the, the book. It's still fucked up. I, you're fucking wrong, though. <laughs> Fine. Did you know she's 13? I didn't know she was 13 when I watched the anime. Isn't it fucked up that she's 13 and is portrayed as having dozens of suitors? It still works. It's still gross that all these I fucking mean, dudes I... are just like, fucking be my girlfriend. She's 13. I agree, it's gross. <laughs> but it's also 100% realistic. I don't know that it is. Most people oh, are fucking fuck? pedophiles. Dude, you're talking about grown men on the internet. Yes, they are. <laughs> are, are. Are you... Are you? Have you been to the internet ever in your life? Yes. Most of the Dude, dudes I meet aren't pedophiles. Yeah, because you stay away from pedophiles. <laughs> Have you been to 4chan ever no. in your life? Why would I? Have you been... Be because it's filled with pedophiles. No, that's 8chan. They kicked the pedophiles off. Uh, no. <laughs> they kicked the open pedophiles sharing child porn off. <laughs> <coughs> it is 100% understandable that this happened. This would 100% of the time happen. It's still gross. Especially in a world with no, uh, in, in a game with no, uh, game manager? Like, like, you'd expect there to be a, a GM or something that would take care of this shit, but, uh, oh yeah, it's a death game, <laughs> so they, there is, there is no rules or anything like that. The game managers all made sure to, uh, not log in after that first day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she's in a party exploring the lost for uh, forest of wandering when she gets in an argument with the only other woman in the party and arrogantly tries to return home by herself without the aid of the expensive map that makes the forest trivial. She herself says it was arrogant of her. Yes. She gets in a fight and starts losing when her pet, Pina, protects her and dies moments before Kirito sho shows up and does the actual saving. Conveniently, just days beforehand, a hill had been found in the game that grows a flower that can bring familiars back to life. I want to take a break momentarily to talk about how shit SAO is as a game again. Beast Tamer is not an actual class. It's a designation set to people who have managed to acquire a familiar, which is entirely dependent on RNG. You have a chance, when fighting monsters, for one of them to be non-aggressive. And if you feed it, you have a chance for that monster to join you. This, in itself, is not terrible. 
What makes it terrible is that this chance disappears after killing a certain number of that monster. Now, this makes sense from a logic perspective. Obviously, if you go around killing a whole bunch of, um, uh, of an animal's friends, it's not going to want to be friends with you. But in terms of actually fun gameplay, this is absolute shit. It makes the grind for a familiar cost a lot of time with no experience benefits, as you would need to run from every battle with the monster you're looking for until you found the non-aggressive one. It would literally just be a waste of time trying to find one of these things that does not even actually, like, actively fight alongside you. The best ones offer some buffs and light healing. Like, yeah, but there's it's very insane. few things in the game that give buffs. This is true. It still wouldn't make it worth it to hunt for one of these things. Well, this... So, you, you mentioned how it's not an actual class. There there are no actual classes in SAO. That's, that's the feature of SAO, is that everyone is put on the same playing field. Right, but uh, there's not even, like, a tamer of... skill. Like, like no. the classes in SAO are like, I've trained my one-handed sword skill, so I am a one-handed swordsman. I've trained yeah, my spear get, skill, you, so you I am a skills. spearman. So, from progressive, we know that you get skills by doing things. Listen, we're not so even going to talk like, about how much of this book contradicts progressive. It's not like you uh, open up your list of skills and put points into, uh, you're like, oh, cool, I, I want to eventually move into this other thing, so I'm going to put skills into that. No, you you use a sword, and because you're using a sword, you get the skill that you can then put in uh, points into. Right. Um, so it, it's not like you have a giant list of things you'd be like, ah, Beast Tamer, let's go for that one. Um, and I mean, maybe I mean, if Progressive does reach the point where Silica is one day, they'll say that she has like a tamer skill that she acquired when she got Pina, and she's training it and shit, right? But nothing like that yeah. is mentioned here. I I just I just think it's like it's weird to pick this one apart when we know that's how the system works. Like there 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 is no unarmed fighting skill. Until you go and perform this particular quest that's hidden that involves doing all of this, like, bullshit, and then you become, you know, you, you get the ability to do unarmed fighting. Listen, the fact like, that, that Tamer doesn't seem to be an actual skill in the game does bother me, but the biggest bother to me is the the way that you go about getting familiars. Like, it's just unfun. Nobody would want to do that. There's there's no reward to the time you put in. Like, Sh Silica got lucky because, like, one of the first monsters of this type she found was Pina. Yeah. Like, like that's really all it is. Uh, yeah. I, it's just more evidence uh, of mine that... I, Nobody would ever actually want to play this game because it's fucking shit, and Akihiko Kayaba was clearly not trying to design a game people wanted to play. He just wanted to trap people inside a fucking death game for no reason. 
do they ever give a reason? Like, they don't in the actual Aincrad arc, right? I know this. I've seen the Aincrad arc. He's just kind of like, <coughs> I forgot why I did it in the first place myself. And then he dies. <laughs> um, but, like, do they ever go back and fill in a reason for it? Because you've seen more of SAO than I have. I want to say yes, but I can't remember what it was. Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, he shows up again in Alicization and get to talk with him more there, and his girlfriend is there, so, like, she can talk and explain some things, but I don't fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Regardless, the hill. Kirito says he'll take her there, as they're on a strict time limit for the resurrection. It's like three days. They run into the woman from earlier, Rosalia, and have a hostile encounter before staying at an inn, where their plans are overheard by a mysterious figure. The next day, they head for the hill and fight tentacle plant monsters that hold Silica upside down so she can flash her panties at Kirito. She is 13. They reach the top, get the flower, and Kirito says she should use it back in town so Pina doesn't immediately die again. On the way back, they're attacked by a PK guild, led by Shocker, of all Shockers, Rosalia. This is when that bullshit scene from the anime where Kirito gets hit by like eight dudes and takes less damage than he can heal back happens. Surprise! It's the same bullshit here. He throws them all into a teleport to the dungeon, and we move on with our lives. Nothing having significantly changed, except Kirito having a 13-year-old in his harem of sad waifus who wail pitifully as he fucks his actual wife. Let's see what our next story has for us. So, I was talking about that with my wife earlier, uh -huh. and neither of us got the impression that at this point she has a crush on him. Or, or anything like that. That it's it's more of a brotherly, um, like he he protected her. He mentions in there of like he reminds her of her of his little sister. She reminds him of his little sister. And oh, which is actually something like I wanted to talk about a little bit because they say that uh, Kirito says that Silica looks like Sugana, right? She doesn't, like at all, in no way. They're entirely different character designs. We haven't met Sugana in the main series yet, but they are completely different from each other. Like, what the fuck is Kirito on about? And also, isn't Kirito the one who was adopted by Sugana's parents? Like, that's uh... why he's distant with the family, right? is because he doesn't feel like he belongs because he was adopted. Um, she's the adoptive sister. Okay, so she is supposed to be the one who was adopted. I believe so. Okay. That makes Kirito's character make less sense. Why is no, no, he no, so... he's, he's, he's adopted. He's the adopted one. Okay, yes. he tells Silica that Sugana is the adopted one. 
Suguha, by the way. Uh, whatever, Suguha. But it, it, like, that's what he says in the story: is that Suguha, like, like, is the adopted sister. Like, she's not really my sister. Uh, she was taken in by my parents. Blah blah blah. But he was the one taken in by her parents. Yeah. And, and that's why he's distant from the family. Like, it, it just... It, Kamahara has no sense of continuity, like, at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, as to your point earlier, um, I can see maybe the idea that at this point it is not a crush. I got the feeling it was a crush, but I can take the argument that it is not, at this moment, a crush. It becomes one. Yeah. I've seen the anime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At, like, 14 or 15, yes, she does have a crush on her. But keep in mind, at 14 or 15, he's, uh, what is he now, 16? So he's, like, 17, 18? Yeah. Yeah, that's still... It's still not okay. <laughs> Dude. People have crushes on older people all the time. I know. It, I, it, it, would, be not, it would be not okay if it was... If like, it was Kirito you know, acting on, on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would not be okay. But, but he, never, he never does. But, I mean... Dude, I had, I had crushes on my best friend's sisters all the time. And they were significantly older. It's it's a crush. It, it happens. I guess it's less okay to me because he's in a committed relationship with Asuna at the at that point. Like they got yeah, married in the game and everything and shit. It, and then, it doesn't matter. And then they're crush. still crushing on him. It it doesn't matter to a crush. And I, I remember the scene where the two of them are on a fucking hill and. Fucking Lisbeth and Silica and Klein and Agil are all just looking up at them, wishing they had what the two of them have. I remember that fucking shit. Ah, speaking of Lisbeth. Hello, Lisbeth. How I wish we'd never met you. Lisbeth is Asuna's blacksmith friend, and this is the story of how she met Kirito, forged his second sword, and fell in love with him in the span of a single day. Reki Kawahara sure writes women. I wish he wouldn't. Anyway, Asuna comes to her store, and Lisbeth's store, and talks about her crush without ever naming or describing him. The next day, Kirito shows up, having been sent here by Asuna, but he never says this. He breaks Lisbeth's best sword, and they go on a jaunty journey to the top of a mountain where, conveniently, just weeks ago, rumors spread of a material that's great for smithing. And coincidentally, nobody has found said material yet. So I don't know why anyone would assume it's better than what's already on the market, but spoilers it is, and our special boy is the only one who manages to get his hands on some. Anyway, there's a dragon up there. Kirito fights it. Lisbeth is useless and gets both both of them blown down a big hole where they almost die. And you're supposed to forget about how pointless of a character she is because, miraculously, they find the material down here. See? It's the dragon's den, and the material is actually the dragon's shit. You see? It's funny. Laugh. 
This was my least favorite of the fucking side stories. I wanted to die reading this one. Anyway, they hitch a ride on the dragon's back and go home. Elizabeth learns that Kirito is Asuna's crush, and she has herself a good cry because she can't bone this guy she met yesterday, as it would be a great betrayal to her friend. Stack another one on the bundle of barren broads that exist purely to watch Kirito and Asuna kiss on a moonlit hill and finger themselves to the thought of Asuna actually being them. It'll never be them. So you're the one being gross. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I wrote this. That's a little harsh. That was a you, little harsh. You are the one being disgusting. <laughs> That's not. Let's not, not put a, that on them. This you have a kangaroo you. scrotum. <laughs> You're the one making choices here. Of uh, and boy, are they choices? That was a choice. I mean, Fuck me, dude. I don't think anyone should. After that, <laughs> I forgot I wrote that shit. You are correct. That was shit. <laughs> <laughs> the story still sucks. Elizabeth is a waste of a character. Those pages could have put toward, been put towards something far more interesting. This next story is actually an important one, which might make its suckiness worse. Here, Kirito and Asuna are already married and living out their newlywed life in that forest where Kirito had a pointless fishing arc in the first book. They go to a place where there's supposedly been ghost sightings and find a girl there, Yui, who has lost her memories. They quickly adopt Yui, and Asuna starts to feel like Yui is really a member of her family after, like, half a day caring for this girl who can barely speak. This story wants you to believe that Kirito and Asuna are the most mentally healthy people in the game, which I'm here to say, if true, is a damning indictment on the rest of the player base, more so than it is true praise on their behalf. Because these motherfuckers are crazy. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> that, that I can't disagree with. I mean, you have to understand that they've been through a very traumatic experience. I understand. Like, like, like everyone yes. has gone through a horribly traumatic experience. Is currently going through it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it still doesn't excuse this shit. <laughs> Especially not when the, 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 the story explicitly wants me to believe that this is a healthy thing for them to be doing. Because these are the only people who are capable of feeling joy and happiness in this world of hell. <sighs> they head on down to the town of Beginnings to look for her parents and discover the pitiful state the people who reside here are in. Those who don't belong to the army are taxed heavily by them, and fearing the possibility of death outside the walls, they find ways of making meager handfuls of coal within town. The trio find an orphanage and head off down a subplot to the side story that makes me think Kawahara just didn't have an actual idea for how to flesh out this whole Yui thing. Basically, there's a bad faction of the army doing the tax collecting and harassing the orphanage's hunters, and a good faction who just wants to help people. 
leader of the bad faction, Kibao, who we see a lot of in Progressive, has trapped the leader of the good faction, Thinker, in a dangerous area. And Thinker's wife-slash-secretary-slash-something requests Kirito and Asuna's help in rescuing them. Yui tags along because she wanted to, and for whatever reason, plot, Kirito and Asuna drop the one characteristic they actually have, protecting people, and bring her along. They find Thinker, but he's stuck past this Grim, Re Grim Reaper boss, and Kirito sticks around to fight it for actually no reason. Conveniently, Yui brushes past a black cube in Thinker's safe, safe room, and conveniently, it's a GM access panel that reminded her she's actually a mental health AI who appeared in front of Kirito and Asuna because they're the most specialist, healthiest, loviest people in the game, and gosh darn it, she just had to meet them. She makes a big fire sword and kills the Grim Reaper. Kirito breaks out heretofore unseen 90s hacker skills to save her data from deletion. And they all have a big cookout at the orphanage. Every single thing interesting happening with the army happens off screen. And after three days of knowing a girl who spoke like a toddler and or was unconscious for half those days, Kirito and Asuna truly feel like they have a daughter. Normal, healthy person shit. Kawahara had met people prior to writing these books, right? So I don't think <laughs> she specifically appeared in front of them. Uh, there were already stories about a ghost being in the area. No, uh, uh, she does she herself that. say that while she was still, like, the program operating, she, she saw them and they were so healthy and the filled with joy and shit that she had to, she just had to meet them. And that's why she appeared in the forest. Because I guess she started appearing sometime after they showed up like like they took their honeymoon down in that forest. Yeah. I mean, that is the implication. Weeks, so there is enough time. Yeah. Um, like, I... I it's it's Kamahara's bad writing, right? Like he really just could not write at this period in time. He gets better, at, at least like Progressive reads a lot better than this. But like I will agree, Progressive is better than this. But like, uh, people just don't act like people in in this book. <laughs> but. I don't know anybody who gets that attached to a person in such a short period of time. Like, yeah, maybe maybe if they were going through, like, action movie shit, but action movie shit only happened for, like, two hours of that time. I, I, could, I could see it. <laughs> Fair. Fine. Anyway... That takes us to the last story, which covers the third episode of the anime. The last good one before it all went to shit. Would you believe it's not good here? Because it isn't. It's all condensed to hell. The actual story of the moonlit black cats is rushed through so quickly that half the guild don't even get names. And Kirito is so dark and edgy here that it's actually stupid. This happens after the Silica story earlier, and he was not this edgy. This story is also a reminder of what the second book could have been. 
we get to see Klein again, a character who is supposedly important to Kirito, but who never gets to do anything and is largely forgotten after Aincrad. And I'm just thinking, man, what if the second book had been in another side, another story type thing, telling the story from Klein's perspective? But you see, that would have actually had the potential to be good. We're not here to be good. We're here to read about dead waifus. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. <laughs> yeah, you suck at writing. This is no, this is good. It's just like it's so much it's so harsher than I initially thought it was. Yeah, you you suck. <laughs> Anyway, Kirito joined this guild to feel superior or some shit and didn't give them enough knowledge to actually survive the game, inadvertently getting them killed when the nameless thief opens a trap in a dangerous dungeon. The leader wasn't on site, and when Kirito tells him everything, he commits suicide. Kirito was especially close to Shocker, the only woman in the group, and he becomes obsessed with reviving her so he can hear what she was saying with her final words. He trains and trains until the night of the Christmas boss that supposedly drops the resurrection item he's searching for, and almost fights Klein to get it, but Klein instead holds off another guild while Kirito fights the boss. Kirito kills evil Santa, only to find the item only works within ten seconds of someone's death, making it useless to his purpose. He gives it to Klein and goes home, only to be notified of a message from Sachi where she reveals she'd known everything about him and for some reason sings Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> that, I... <coughs> if you look in the front cover at, like, all the legal bullshit of, like, this was copyrighted on this date, and uh -huh. all the publication information... Did he have to get the says, trademark for Rudolph the Red-Nosed yes, Reindeer? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, a lot Rudolph of... the Red-Nosed Reindeer copyright, such-and-such such music, uh... It's a lot of work to go through for this shit. <laughs> yep. And that's the book. It wasn't good. It even takes parts of the anime I thought were good and makes them worse. Not to mention being the reason for some of the most pointless shit in the anime that murdered the pacing of the show. It's an extreme insight into Kawahara's deep failure to understand people in general and women in particular as well as failing to understand what people might want from him as a follow-up to the first book. Because it sure wasn't this. I, I will agree. This is not what people would have wanted as a follow-up. <laughs> uh, it I is mean, insane it, that this is the second book, and that there were it, it more is. books that followed. I, I agree. His, his format of doing uh, the story in one book and uh, side stories in the second are, it, it's weird, because we're, we're going to get to go through it again, because I'm pretty sure that's the way the next two books are. Uh, I think book three is... Um, fairy Dance. Fairy Dance, and then book four is Side, side Bullshit in fairy, in fairy Dance. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> Fucking yeah. fantastic. R reminder that all of this comes out well before the anime does, and... Uh, also so, a reminder the, that Fairy Dance is the single worst part of the anime, so... <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. looking forward to that shit. Um, the one thing you didn't mention about this, uh, I mean, and you sure mentioned a lot, 80% <laughs> of which I disagree with strongly. Because um, I actually really enjoyed this book. Um, 
I I liked the different way of telling it all. Uh, especially liked the fact that um, most of the stories are not from Kirito's perspective. No, only the um, last one from about Sachi is from yes. Kirito's perspective. Everything else uh, is Silica, Lisbeth, and Asuna. Asuna, yeah. Uh, I liked the different perspective uh, looks. I, I liked the getting insight from them, because previously up to this point, we've only seen from Kirito. Right. Um, everything has been exclusively Kirito's viewpoint. And um, and so it's, it's, it's nice getting to see it from a different point of view. Uh, additionally, um, learned a lot about the game in this one. There were just, like, little things here and there pointed, pointing out, like, how the game works in ways that you didn't get from the first one. Um, so, I mean, like, um, like, Lisbeth's blacksmithing shit, that's, I already knew how blacksmithing worked because we've read Progressive, but this is the introduction to the, like, blacksmithing system in the game yeah. which yeah i mean i didn't want to talk about because i also hate the blacksmithing system but yeah well <laughs> shut up. You, you, you you had your chance now shut the fuck up <laughs> um i genuinely liked the way the sachi thing was handled in this one um because it just rushed all the shit it, it's kirito dealing with the, the stuff, not telling the story. It's not about Sachi. It's about Kirito. Right. Um, and well, because it can't be about is, Sachi. Sachi's yeah. dead. <laughs> she is. <laughs> the dead only thing shit. left of Sachi um, is Kirito's trauma regarding her. Yeah. And and the, the whole lead into the Sachi story is Kirito's trauma. And, and so you, you kind of brushed past it of um uh, uh he joined the guild to feel superior or some shit um the he at this point is struggling with the fact that he's still solo and that he's like this is the final build up of all his beater bullshit of like he's He's getting hammered on that so much, and um, this leads him to the breaking point of, like, he, he joins the guild so that hopefully he can have some amount of normalcy, he can feel like he's contributing with the thing, feel like he's not the beater filth that he is called. And I mean, the mantle he, that he chose to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he... <laughs> Although I'm not sure if at this point he did, because, uh, again, like, so much of this becomes blended in my mind with shit that happens in Progressive. I'm not sure yeah. if it's ever explicitly spelled out that he is the one who takes up, calls himself a beater and takes on that, that burden. Yeah, I don't think Progressive had come out at this point. Uh, like I don't remember enough about the first book in specific to know if that comes. That didn't up. occur in that. No. So I mean, he's he's at at this point in the story, he's being called a beater, and he's you know, being 
mildly persecuted, I would say. Uh, and so he joins this guild to make himself feel better, and then because of all of that, he it, it leads to them all dying. So it, then he really has something to beat himself up about. And well, it's because he wants it, 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 he wants that sense of normalcy, but he doesn't want to be honest with the people around him. Yeah, well, he's also afraid of them. Like, right. He's, he's scared that if he is honest with them, they won't accept him for who he is, and then he'll be all alone again. Yeah. So, then, you know... But also, spiral. that gets them all killed. Yeah. So, uh, I, I really liked the way the story was told. Um, they, it's, it, it jumps back and forth in time uh, of him retelling the story and him I mean it's the the story starts with him nearly killing, killing ants himself like, to, to level yeah, up yeah he, he, he's, he's pushing himself beyond what he potentially is capable of um, just in an attempt to get this thing and or die like at this point, he 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 wants to die. He is suicidal. So, uh, I I thought the story did a good job of of characterizing Kirito and and showing the depths of of where where he had fallen. Um, the Yui story also gives some good insight into like Asuna, because mm-hmm. she reminisces about a lot of her early game stuff, like the despair she felt those first um, few days down in the town of beginnings and shit. Like, that's the first time we really get to hear about any of that. Well, she talks a little bit about it in the first book, about how she had not experienced any joy in the world until Kirito. Right, but it's all just her words and and Kirito's interpretation of them. Whereas here we get her thoughts, and that's a, it's a little bit more interesting. Yeah, um, I'll give I'll give it that. And that's that. We're we're done. We're actually very close to wrapping up time point. So, um, I might actually go insane reading the next book. <laughs> <coughs> I don't expect the next book to be half as good as this one was. That's um, real bad. <laughs> that's real bad. <laughs> Again, I really liked this book. I, I genuinely really liked this book. Uh, I mean, it wasn't as good as um, Progressive, but I thought it was better than the first one. Like, I really wish we were just reading Progressive. Like, it's hard to go back and read this post-Progressive. <laughs> Next time, we're going to play some games. Yeah. Oh, do we want to? Ooh. Do, let's do it's it time. now. Let's do it now. Uh, okay. d- do you have your backloggery? Can you send it to me? I do. It's... Dude, look at the top. The whole fucking thing's formatted. Oh. Look at the top. Yeah. Oh, shit. Those are hype... Oh, shit. Those are hyperlinks. Yeah. Yeah. Someone actually is good at their job. You may only actually access the page on up. your own account. Yeah, you can't you can't cookie a fortune someone else's thing. Oh, okay. 
Oh, this goes directly to the fortune cookie? Uh, no, that, that goes to just the, um, should go to the... Because it didn't pull your list up for me. Okay. Let me fix that then. Um, But basically what we've done is we've set up backlogs, backloggeries for all of our games. Um, Well, not all of mine are on there yet because I have literally like hundreds of games across fucking a dozen systems. So they're... There are some systems I haven't gotten to entering in yet, but we're going to either roll a fortune cookie, which randomly selects a game within our backlog for us to play, or we're going to look through each other's uh, pages and pick one out for the other person to play. And I guess this week we're going to do a fortune cookie, because we haven't had time to look through each other's stuff. So, I will click uh, not playing... And uh, just unfinished, unplayed is what I'm clicking for me. Yep. Bomber uh, Crew Deluxe. Okay. Let's see. Unfinished, unplayed. Yep. Symphony of War, the Nephilim Saga. You know, I have okay. been wanting to go back to that one. That's one of those uh, Fire Emblem-esque games that I've played. Oh. Not the not the one that you thought had a shit art style. Gotcha. All of your shit art style. So that'd be fun. I like going back to that. What's Bomber Crew Deluxe? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a game on my Twitch or Amazon games. Um, looking at it on Steam. Trying to look at it on Steam. Um, strategic simulation game. We're picking the right crew and keeping your bomber in tip-top shape is the difference between completing your mission or using it all. Losing it all. That one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, this and be our fun. mutual mobile game is Fallout Shelter. Fuck. Yep. Actually, I haven't heard terrible things about Fallout Shelter. And we'll do some some topic of the week, so you can look forward to that. Or do you want to pick one of the... Uh... No, that's okay. what we're doing. A topic. <laughs> You're forcing me to pick a topic. Yes, I am. Is this punishment oh. for my recap? Share this with someone <laughs> who is a hacker. Share this with your hacker friends. They say, I'm in. Yeah. And, and they they do that on the computer. <laughs> Make sure I didn't shut down the... Uh, you did yeah, that nope. so hard it stopped entering in characters. It did. <laughs> Uh oh, come on. Alright, well, that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! <laughs>